Welcome to Near Death Experience Podcast. I'm Chaz Hathaway. Today we're going to share the experience of Nancy, who died for seven minutes in the hospital from a heart collapse due to lack of blood. Okay, now her experience, as she describes it, starts in the middle of the experience, but um, but I think it's very interesting. So she says, as I stood in the light, I thought, this must be a dream. And then I found myself flying down the road at perhaps 90 miles an hour. My peripheral vision was wider than usual. And I could see energy patterns like those optic fiber flowers you can buy around the trees as I passed them. I was fully conscious of everything, feeling and thinking very clearly. I came to a Y fork in the road and saw a brown paneled station wagon pass in front of me. Next, I traveled to my home on earth where I stood on the front step, looked at the ground, saw frost on the grass, and thought, how funny, I don't feel cold. Next, I was on my bed and could feel the chenille bedspread. I was very thankful it had been a dream, but then I heard people talking downstairs and got up to see who they were. As I confronted them, all hanging out on the couch and kitchen table, they started saying, hello, and started talking to me. I knew by the southern accent that they must be relatives, but I didn't know who they were. As I looked around, I started thinking they looked like people I knew that were dead. They kept visiting. I was talking to a lady that said she had to go, but please tell my mother hello for her and that she still thinks of her. I walked her to the front door, and instead of going out through the door, she just vanished in front of me. I stood there thinking, this isn't a dream. Nothing is out of place, but this woman just disappeared in front of me. Then the main lady, talking to me, said, It's not your time yet. You have to go back. Then she said, Think about it. You remember. Then it was clear at the moment, so I said to her, I'm dead, aren't I? She replied, Yes, but it's not your time. You have to go back. You are our go-between. I didn't want to return, and I proceeded to argue about it. But then I thought of my mother and how she would never forgive herself if I didn't live. Then I lifted off the floor, and they all waved and told me to tell everyone hi for them. I felt like I was sucked up in a vacuum. Next thing, I felt the paddles of the defib- defibrillator uh, the doc- that the doctors were using to shock my heart into pumping and I sat straight up and chewed out all the people in the emergency room for making me come back. The next thing, or the next day, when my mother was in my room, I told her. She confirmed that I described the house to a T. The lights, how some things were switched on or off. The doctor would not comment on my dying, but many of the orderlies confirmed that I had been gone for almost seven minutes. I believe that time is not the same on the other side, but more accelerated than here. I have come to find out who all the visitors were and have passed on some of the messages they left with me. 
I now seem to be able to sense spirits and psychically discern things around me. But I kind of did that before, too. I sometimes feel homesick for the other side, but I know I have to wait for my time. People should not be afraid of dying. You won't be alone. You have loved ones there waiting to guide you. And they are just like us, body and all, but in their prime and healthy. But never consider suicide. It's like dropping out of high school, and you'll still have to deal with the problems there. If you hang in, you will find love and happiness when we all join up again. Just do the best you can. The experience is even longer than I can write here, so if you want more details, please call me. That's the end of the experience that she records there. Unfortunately, she doesn't leave a phone number or <laughs> any way to get the rest of the uh, experience. But what she shares there is very interesting, I find. Uh, because, first off, as she's, she, she's in a light, okay, and she thinks it's a dream, but she finds herself flying down the road, perhaps 90 miles an hour. We, I think we can confirm from the other aspects of the experience that she is not dreaming. Uh, but I suspect that uh, that was her way of making sense of it at the time. And then she says she can see energy patterns, like those optic fiber flowers you can buy. And though I haven't seen the flowers, I have seen various forms of fiber optics, and I assume it's something along those lines. And uh, it makes me wonder, she says she sees that around the trees as she passes them. I wonder, does that mean there's like speckles like the ends of the fiber optics, or, or are we talking about some kind of, you know, uh, vine-like things coming out? I don't know, or, or maybe they're just glowing in some way. Uh, um, but... Uh, I'm left to wonder, is that because it's life forms and she can see life forms in a more intense way than she'd be able to see in the body? I don't know. I'm not, not clear on that. Um, she says, I was fully conscious of everything, feeling and thinking very clearly. She comes to a fork in the road and she gets home, basically, and she's a little puzzled that she doesn't feel cold because there's frost on the ground. Um, so she doesn't know she's dead. She doesn't know she's not her dead. She may, well, it's unclear. She seems like she knows she's awake because, um, she's wondering how cold it is or why, why it's so cold, why it's not so cold. And then she finds herself on her bed. And so, and she says, I was very thankful that I had been, that it had all been a dream. Okay, so she's, it's as if she's waking up in bed. Now, this is interesting to me because clearly she's not. She's dead. And yet, something about her expectation, you know, she was, uh, you know, she, she was thinking it was a dream. It makes me wonder, you know how in the spirit you think to yourself, ooh, I wish I could be on that mountain. And suddenly you are. Well, maybe she's thinking, oh, I'm dreaming. I must be in my bed. And, it, and that expectation may have put her in her bed. Um, now, her body is not in the bed. Her body is at the hospital. But she finds herself in her bed. And while she's in her bed and she's, you know, getting up, she realizes that she can hear people downstairs. And at this point, she does not think that she's dreaming. 
because, you know, she's getting out of bed. And she says, as I confronted them, all the people hanging out on the couch and table and so forth, they're all talking to her. Hey, how's it going? You know, uh, say hi to your mom for me. And, you know, uh, talking like, you know, like people talk, you know. And she says they must be relatives because, you know, their accent is, is the southern accent of my relatives. And yet she doesn't fully recognize all of them, though some look like people who have already died. And she's a little puzzled by that, but not as puzzled as perhaps she would be if she hadn't been dead. <laughs> but um, there is a point where she says, she stands there thinking, this isn't a dream. Nothing is out of place. But this woman just disappeared in front of me, <laughs> person who's leaving. And so it's kind of dawning on her. And this main lady that's talking to her says, it's not your time. You have to go back. Think about it. You remember. And then it's clear to her, and she realizes, I'm dead, aren't I? And she says, yes, but it's not your time. You have to go back. You are our go-between. Now, that's interesting to me. Something about her death allowed them to come back to probably to greet her, whatever, and, and tell her to say hi to their mother and, <laughs> and so forth. And she starts arguing she didn't want to go back but uh but she's got to go back and she realizes that her mother is going to be very upset and never forgive herself if she didn't live and uh and so she goes back and she starts yelling at everybody for bringing her back she didn't really want to come back and and then uh it, she ends up talking to her mother about it the next day and uh talking about, you know, the lights, which lights were on, which, you know, what was the situation of the house at that time, and so forth, and she's able to, to confirm everything as she'd seen it. So there's some, uh, some validity, or some validation, I mean, uh, for her to realize that this wasn't just a dream. I was at home. Now, I would comment on that and say that many people, when they have a near-death experience and they're in their home, things are different. Either the lights may be different or the uh, furniture even may be different, curtains and so forth, if you uh, remember some several back. Sharon Milliman talks about how she was electrocuted, hit by lightning, really, and uh, and she goes into her house and suddenly... It's somebody else's furniture in there, and the curtains are wrong, and all this. And and lest you think that this is a dream, in my description of it, she then goes on to the light and has this marvelous, you know, just ridiculously amazing experience. So while you may be able to find validation in seeing things exactly as they really were, it doesn't necessarily mean that if they're not exactly as they really were, that it wasn't something, or that it was, yeah. Anyway, so um, if you would like to contact the podcast, either to share your experience, ask a question, or just leave a comment, you can call 970-NDE-CAST, or you can uh, email neardeathexperiencepodcast at gmail.com. All of our episodes can be found at neardeathexperiencepodcast.org. Um, please share it with your friends, tell people about it so that we can get the word out. Um, because these things 
these stories that people are sharing in these experiences are changing lives. They're doing good. And so if you feel uh, like they have made a difference for you, share them with someone who might be comforted by it or might understand the value of these things. Share it with them. And with that, thank you all of you so much again for listening.